This morning's scripture reading comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, over the last several weeks, um, there have been many messages focusing on increasing in the knowledge of God and, and, and thirsting after God. And these messages seem to be more prevalent. I mean, not only in terms of what Holy Spirit gives me to preach, but I hear similar messages coming from some other, you know, noteworthy um, ministers and pastors and everything, which which tells me that something is going on, you know. And I, I question and I ask God, you know, what, what is it that's, that's happening? You know, why is so much of this coming about? Um, why is there so much um, attention and focus on, on, on the supernatural things of God, you know? And when you say the supernatural things of God, this is not talking about Twilight Zone supernatural. We're talking about um, the things of God are outside of the natural, thus supernatural. Supernatural means outside of the natural. The things of God are way outside of the natural. The things in our lives that are going on that need to be fixed, need to be corrected, and need to be overseen, need to be addressed, is outside of the natural. So we need to take it into the supernatural realm of God, which is where God is. Um, talk of the, 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 the four blood moons coming up. There's a lot of interest in that and the supernatural uh, occurrences that could go with those things. So there's, there's a lot that's going on. And what I hear from God is because of the fact that my people, my children, are still suffering. My people and my children are still not being victorious. My people and my children are still not into my word. They're still not understanding fully what it is that I'm saying to them. So thirsting after God, understanding how a few weeks back, a month or so back, we talked about our lives being under construction, where God is always quietly working behind the scenes, that, and how we, how we have to have trust in Him and what He's doing and developing, and how we need to claim the supernatural words and the things that God speaks of in terms of prayer in terms of his Holy Spirit, in terms of praying with him and spending quality time with him. Many of us in the church, because of the lifestyles that we live in, the age in which we live today, we're just so busy that we are running, running, running. You know, everything is, is instant. You know, we need to get things done quickly, and we're not taking time for God. We're not taking time to hear God. Many times we're seeking to do that which we want to do, that which we desire to do, instead of listening to God. So what I'm hearing from him is that we children of God need to really, 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 really begin to understand his word and to follow his word because the times are coming. I mean, as Jesus continues to tarry, that um, without even getting into tribulation, there's enough things coming down the pike where that if we don't know what God is telling us to do or we can't be, be on par with God or, or, or have discernment so we can see what's on the horizon, that we don't have to be in the tribulation. There are things happening right now that are coming down the pike that if we children of God are not bold and don't know what God wants us to do, we'll wind up getting ourselves into trouble, okay? So it's very important, and this is the message, you know, that I, that I hear that's going out. We should be asking for wisdom from God in order to, to, to lead our daily lives, in order for us to be victorious, you know? You've got to make a decision. You consult the Lord. Things come before you. Consult the Lord. Ask God if this is indeed what he wants you to do. But there is so much information, quote-unquote, out there. How do we know what's right? 
we are not the first to have this challenge about what's going on and what's, uh, what's right for our lives. And as usual, we have to go to the Word of God to understand this very vital and this very important message. In Paul's day, which we're going to see by reading the epistle to the Colossians, you can go to Colossians while you're... While you're uh, and while you're going there, go, go to the book of Colossians. As you know, this was a letter written by Paul to the church at, at Colossae. And what was going on there was that someone had come to Colossae who had taught an alluring, a very tempting, but a very dangerous philosophy which came to be known today as Gnosticism. You may have heard the term before, Gnosticism, okay? And this was, was the word that was being, being preached at, at Colossae here. And basically what it was to really, really over, oversimplify, because it's quite involved, wherein Judaism and Christianity hold that salvation is by obedience, you know, and, and coming to Jesus through Jesus Christ and being obedient to God's word. Gnosticism teaches, and this again is putting it very broadly because it gets pretty involved. Gnosticism basically teaches that your way to salvation is uh, uh, through knowledge, it's through philosophy, okay, it's through things outside of God, okay. I don't have time to get into it, but again, it also gets into that. Uh, you know, you know, if there is, if there is, is a God out there, this God is so high and supernatural that He has no business, no desire to deal with with mere mortals, and so He just kind of goes on His lofty way, not paying any attention to us. So the only way that you can become really knowledgeable and, and, and save yourself and, and, and get, find salvation is through philosophy, you know. And as we know, this ran rampant through Greece, ancient Greece and ancient Rome. I mean, they had so many gods. There was a pantheon of gods that they had. But they felt that our, um, the only way to really get to salvation is through knowledge and philosophy. So that Gnosticism was going through through the, uh, the church of Colossae here. So Paul is writing to them to, to give them some warnings about, um, about what to to watch out for, and also to really drive home the power of the living God, the power of the God that we know and acknowledge, and how that God is, is, is omnipotent, he's omniscient, okay, and he's, he's all-knowing, and he's, he's, he's ever-present, and he is very much indeed interested in what we do. So that was the purpose of him writing to, to Colossae here. Uh, Gnosticism continues until today. If you want, you, when you're home, you can Google it and look it up, and you see it's very involved, it's quite involved, but basically it's, it's things that through learning and through reasoning. So looking at Colossians uh, chapter 1, putting all of that in context now, chapter 1, and just start with verse 1. The beginnings here is pretty much, uh, pretty much a prayer and a greeting, so we'll kind of breeze through that to get to the meat of it. But starting with verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Please underline peace from God, okay? Because here right away now he's inserting God into the picture, all right? Peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned of a past our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So that's pretty much a greeting, the, the greeting of his letter. Now, in, in verse number 9 it starts, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, 
and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Please underline, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Please underline spiritual uh, wisdom and spiritual understanding. So you see right away Paul is correcting them and bringing them right back to God, okay? In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Please highlight that whole uh, verse number 10 there. That you might also, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful into every good work and increasing of the knowledge of God. So here we say, we see here that he's, 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 um, he's he, he connecting being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God as opposed to increasing in the knowledge of men, increasing in the knowledge of philosophy, increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, if we don't increase our knowledge of God when things happen to us in this life, we flounder. We worry. We get distressed. We struggle, okay, if you're not increasing in the knowledge of God. And this is what I hear Holy Spirit telling me. So many of us in the church of, of Jesus Christ do not know, do not have the knowledge of God, at least not to the point that God would want us to. Does that mean that we're all going to be all of a sudden biblical scholars? No, but it, it should lead us to the point that we at least know the sound of Holy Spirit's voice. And we know how to follow what God is telling us to do, okay, and increasing in the knowledge. And what we don't know, we should desire and want to know. And that goes back to the sermon of a few weeks back about um, that thirst for God, thirsting after things of God. In this day and age, if you're not thirsty to know about God and the knowledge of God, you are operating at a deficit. You're operating at a disadvantage because God, the creator of the universe, of all that is, who knows your life, past, present, and future, I mean, gee, is what better person to consult than God with what's going on in your life, okay? So he's telling me increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse number 11, strengthen with all might according to his glory power. Please align strengthen um, according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Alright? So you, see, you notice that it says strengthen uh, according to his glorious power. Not according to the power of some man or not according to the power of the Ouija board or, or the, your, your astrology chart for the day or something. Alright? It's uh, uh, his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. So that means that while we're long suffering and while we're being patient, we should do with joy. Okay? All right? And the only way you can go through issues with joy is that if you know at the end of the day God's going to bring you out of it. Okay? I mean, if you ever go on a long drive someplace or a long trip and it's hot, the road is bumpy or it's really, really difficult, you know, but then you keep in mind, boy, I'm going to see my mom, I'm going to see my loved one, I'm going to see him, I'm going to see her, and you keep that in your mind, it kind of helps to get you to where you're going, you see? So you're being patient. It's a long drive ahead, but I'm going to be joyful while I'm in it, you see? So the same thing goes with us as children of the living God, that if we run into, into hurdles in our lives, that we should develop patience knowing that God is is there and that God is indeed working, okay, and then progress your life with joy, progress your life with joy, you know, you know where it talks about our um, fasting and it says don't do as, as the heathen do, uh, um, excuse me, um, as the, uh, the Pharisees do, uh, when, they're, when they're fasting, they, they, they go around dragging their faces, oh, I'm so hungry, my stomach, I wish I could, you know, but instead, what do you do, you dust yourself off, you wash your face, and you go on, you're being joyful, you're being joyful, so even though we may be going through struggles in our lives, remember the joy of the 
Lord is indeed your strength. Okay, and that'll bring you through. That will bring you through. Verse number 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of life, uh, uh, in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Peter's in the line of who has delivered us from the power of darkness. If you've been delivered from the power of darkness, then there's no reason why you should be suffering. Okay? If you've been delivered... The problem is, is that when we have an issue in our life or when there are challenging things going on, Satan get a, gets a hold of our mind, okay, and he starts twisting us. Satan starts putting fear in our minds. Satan starts giving us stress. You feel your stomach in knots. Well, guess what? God delivered you from that, and that's a power of darkness that's making you feel like that, you see? So as soon as you start feeling that stress and that worry and that knot in your stomach, remember the scripture that God has delivered us from the power of the darkness. All right, so that means that you tell Satan in the name of Jesus, get away from me. Spirit of fear, I rebuke you. My Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I will not care for things. I will cast all my cares upon Jesus because Jesus cares for me. All right? And I will take up the yoke and the burden of Jesus Christ because Jesus' yoke and burdens are easy and light. Okay? All right? So if you're taking up the burden of Jesus Christ, all you have to do is simply trust in Jesus. Okay? That's all he's asking us to do. That's an easy burden to simply trust in him. All right? So God has delivered us from that power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Please in the line that has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You see, so if we're in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, then we should not be, be, be fearful and worrying and not, not being able to listen to God's word. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Please in the line, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The problem is, for many of us, is that God is invisible, you see? And because of the fact that God is invisible many times, we forget that He is God, you see? And that's, that's a measure of faith right there, to have faith in a God that you do not see every single second of the day. Just by having faith to know that God is standing next to you, you know, you, you know, by faith knowing that this room is filled with angels, by faith knowing that the angels are patrolling, patrolling this building, at least while we're here anyway, they are. <laughs> amen, 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 that they're patrolling, you know, that the angels are in your house, you, you know. And sometimes if you're really, really seeking the knowledge of God and if you really, really want to know him, and this really wanting to know him is not from head knowledge, this is really come deep, coming from deep within your spirit. And sometimes the need to know him is oftentimes, many times, dri driven by when we are in the middle of a terrific struggle. When our lives are at a point where you really feel kind of trapped and you don't know any way out, you really don't know where to go. You know, when you're at that place, this is the time that you really, really go to God and you say, God, I need to know you. I need to know you. I need to be in your presence, all right? And I know over times past, over many years before these ch children, before my young ones here, younger ones were, were born and no longer children were born, but I cried out such a prayer, and I heard and felt the flutter of angels' angels' wings. I heard it as clearly as you all are sitting here now. It sounded like a flutter of, of birds' wings, okay? And I felt his presence with such a warmth and a glow. And I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that all was well. And I heard his voice. My son, I love you. Do not worry. Don't fret. Amen. So that, that knowledge is there with me. I know it beyond a shadow of a, of a doubt. You have to be to that place so that when things are going wrong in your life, when you just feel like everything is turned upside down, that you really, really desire to know God, to get to know him intimately. And then his invisibility will go away. 
Okay, now, what am I saying? I'm not saying that all of a sudden you're going to see God. Okay, no man has seen God, all right? But all I'm just saying is that the concept of his being invisible to you will go away. Okay? God is not invisible to me. Understand what I'm saying? Even though I cannot see him, okay, he is not invisible. Invisible means that I don't see it, so therefore I'm not sure it's there. Invisible means I can't touch it, I can't grab it, so I'm not sure it's there. Okay, while I cannot see God with these natural eyes, I know that he's there, so God is not invisible to me. So when you get to the point of knowing that God is real and that God can do and will do all that he said he will do, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what's going on in your life, God will stop being invisible to you. And when God stops being invisible to you, you'll find it a whole lot easier to talk to him. Okay, if you notice, I didn't just say pray to him, I said to talk to him. Okay, because we get so hung up in prayer thinking that it's got to be structured. Sometimes the most effective prayer is, Lord, help me. <laughs> you know, just the plain old Lord, help me. Amen, amen. Okay, so who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation? Now, of course, they're talking about Jesus here. For by him, now listen to this, for by him, underlined by him, if you haven't already done this, and write the word Jesus, write the name Jesus there. For by him, being Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, Visible and invisible. Okay? Alright? So, for by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth. Visible and invisible. One way to to think of that is, is, is God the Father says, let there be light. Jesus Christ is the contractor. He makes it light and Holy Spirit is the power. You know, I like to always say, if you walk into a dark room and you say, turn on the lights, all right, the action of flipping the switch is Jesus Christ. The electricity going through the bulbs is the Holy Spirit. You see, so creation was an act of three, of three, three of the Godhead, you know, the, the Trinity. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Now, underline visible and invisible because that makes you clearly to understand here that there is something that exists beyond just the visible. God also created those things things that are invisible to us, all right? You, you know, and, and, and if you think invisibility is so hard to, to grasp, it's not really at all. If you, here I go with the science stuff, but if you look at, you follow the astronomy thing, you look at uh, Hubble Telescope and some of, some of those ships that are going, I think it's Viking that are still traveling out there. Sometimes you go to the right site, they'll show you, this is what the universe looks like taken with a, with a normal camera. Then they'll put the infrared lens over the camera, and then all of a sudden you see a whole lot of stuff that's out there. A lot of stuff. To the naked eye, that's invisible to us. Does it mean it doesn't exist? No. If you were out there running, you'd run smack dab into it, so it does exist. Because we cannot see it with our natural eyes, the wavelength in which we see um, in, the, in the natural world. God just has not equipped us to see in the infrared, you know, or in the ultraviolet realms. But stuff is there. Stuff is there, okay? It's the same thing in the spirit realm, all right? My own personal theory here, there's nothing to do with Bible doesn't say this, but I kind of think, and I wonder sometimes, to be one of my questions for the Lord, but in the spirit realm the angels that are around here, the spirits that are around us, do we maybe not see them because they just exist on a different wavelength, okay, but it still does not mean that they don't exist, maybe we can't see them because our eyes can't see on the wavelengths in which they exist the times that we do see them um, is when they have their power and the ability, or God does, to make them manifest in a, in a, uh, a, a visible light spectrum so that we can see them, I mean that's just my theory here, okay, the Bible doesn't say that 
But I mean, it certainly explains, though, why some things are invisible to us and we can't see them. But obviously, though, something is there because it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. So that means that Jesus created something that was invisible. Okay? Okay? Uh, Visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, or power. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and he is before all things, and by him, underline, all things consist. Okay? And by him, all things consist, or or are made. And all things consist, that goes down to the atoms and the molecules and everything else. All right? So Jesus is the the, the creator of all of the stuff that exists, both invisible and visible. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he might have the preeminence. For it, it, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, underlined through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth, or things in heaven. All right, now, Paul is really giving these very strong statements because he's trying to see here the importance between um, um, man's knowledge, man's philosophy, man's philosophical thinkings and leanings towards the preeminence of God, the preeminence of Jesus Christ, the fact that this is the truth. This is where all things exist. This is where all things come. We cannot gain the knowledge that God wants us to have through sitting around on a bunch of couches the way they did in ancient Rome, laying back, eating grapes and drinking wine, and talking about popular concepts, you know. You can sit around and debate all day where's that jet that that went down that the Malaysian government can't find. You can sit around and discuss that all day long. It will not bring you to a deep understanding of God. Okay? Because you're trying to reason. You can see that from all the broadcasts and everyone's got a theory and a conjecture of what happened. But get, get back to the point here. Man's knowledge cannot dare broach the things of God, the deep, deep things of God. The only way that we can be victorious and prosperous in this life is through the knowledge of God and seeking him and seeking his thoughts and his ways. This is the whole point. And Paul is pointing out to him that everything in this universe, both seen and unseen, was created by God, Jesus Christ. All right? This is far away from what Gnosticism teaches. All right? It delves into the creation, but I won't get into that because it's really involved, but it's not acknowledging Jesus Christ. Okay? All right. They, they, they say that it, creation was a, was, was a mistake, that it was kind of the leftovers of some other e- effort. It's, it's disgusting to get into. But anyway, so, so, uh, so you see now going, and then um, into verse 21, um, and you that were once alienated, now listen to this, and you that were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Okay, so in other words, these very people here at Colossae, okay, at once they didn't know God. They were once alienated. Alienated, alienated means being separated from God. Okay, alienated means being separated from God. And enemies in your mind by your own wicked works, the thing that you do. Yet now you're reconciled, because now they've come to know the Lord. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and uh, and unremovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith, underlined, grounded and settled, okay, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel underlined, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature that is under heaven, of which I, Paul, am made a minister. All right? So you get what he's saying there? If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Grounded and settled means unshakable. 
All right? If you're grounded and you're, you're firmly planted, that means you can't be shaken. That means you can't be shaken by what's happening in your life. That means you can't be shaken by what someone is telling you. You can't be shaken by someone who's trying to tell you their interpretation of the Bible. You can't be shaken by what some group is telling you, some other body of people are telling you. You can't be shaken off of what you know God is telling you through his Bible, through his word. Okay? No one can move you from that. I don't care what's happening. I don't care if things seem to be impossible. If you can't figure out how am I going to solve this problem in my life? How am I going to get around this situation? Or, or should I buy or sell? You know, should I do this? Should I do that? I don't care what it is. Okay, if you're grounded and you can't be shaken, then that means that you will only do that which God is telling you to do, what you hear Holy Spirit telling you to do. Okay, um, <clears throat> verse number 24. Who now rejoice in my who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake which is the church of which I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God even the mystery verse 26 even the mystery which has been hidden from the ages please in the line even the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints Okay, please underline all of 26, all right? All right? Even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. You see, God is making information available to us, which has been, which even back to this time, was hidden from the ages, because man, man outside of God, man absent God, just could not understand this. You know, so these are the mysteries. These are the things that we're reading and, and being revealed to us through the Holy Bible were mysteries that were kept, in, kept from those who, who were not believers, you know. Remember we studied, uh, no, that was Bible study. Remember we, we talked about parables and why Jesus talked in parables, okay? Because it wasn't for them who weren't believers to know and to understand. But he's given these things uh, to us as his children, all right? <clears throat> um, Hidden uh, manifest to his saints. Verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As I please underline, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right. 27 again. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. Warning, um, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. For this I also labor, striving according to his working, which uh, works in me uh, mightily. Okay, we're going to zip through, zip through uh, chapter 2. Well, not zip through, go slowly or fast as the Holy Spirit wants us to. Chapter 2, verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding please in the line the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ okay please in the line the mystery of God and of the Father and Christ in whom are hidden Listen to this now, verse 3. In, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Please underline that. Hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay? So what does that tell us? That tells us then by where he's saying there in verse number 2. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches, full, riches of the full assurance of understanding. Understanding of the acknowledgments of the mystery of God and the Father, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All right? So in God is hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
That's where your wisdom is. That's where your treasures are, in God. All right? So if you don't know God, how can you expect to be wise? How can you expect to be able to benefit from what God has you? You see, has for you. Okay? Because in God is hidden all of the mysteries and the treasures and the wisdom and knowledge for your life. For your life. I'm not just saying to sit down and try and ask God to have you solve the questions of the universe and all of that sort of thing. Gee, because we have a hard enough time just solving the questions of our own personal lives. And you want to know about the mysteries of the universe. Amen. Amen. But in him are hidden all of the mysteries and the fullness and knowledge for your particular life. You see, so again, this is the reason why we should really be desiring and wanting to know more about God. Okay, now, and here, now the next uh, few verses here talk about the danger from enticing words, you know, the words that you will hear coming from other people, other groups or whatever. Verse number four. And this I say, lest any man, unless many any man, lest lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Okay? Underline lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Okay? Beguiling you means should should kind of like woo you away, you know, or say something to you that will make you um, um, want to start. Oh, that makes sense. Oh yeah, that kind of sounds good. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and starts enticing and drawing you away. Okay? So he's saying here. Um, uh, that, that unless, if you don't understand what we just read in the previous scriptures there, and this I say, unless any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Please underline the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. Please underline all of that. As you therefore received Christ, so walk in him. Alright, so he's telling you that, that if you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you should be walking in him. You should be walking in him. Rooted and built up in him. And underlined, built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving. You know, it's so important that you capture these verses and make some way that you can refer back to them later on. You know, because we all go through struggles in life. And when we sit down to read the Word of God, if, you, if you're not able to zero in, you know, on certain parts of Scripture um, after you've left the church, you know, then there's small wonder why people still struggle and it's hard for them to have faith in God. The reason why we, we mark these things down, and hopefully you have them marked in your Bible, is so that when you are alone and you're having these difficulties and these challenges, you know, and you open the Word of God, that these Scriptures will jump out, jump up and, and, and smack you in the face, you know. Because the scriptures that we read here are for a reason. The scriptures that we read here are for a reason. You know, um, I, 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 I don't sit down and flip a coin, you know, and just say, okay, let me read from the book of Colossians. There's a reason why God leads us to these messages. So if you don't have a way to revisit these scriptures, specifically the ones that we're focusing on, when you're home and by yourself, that is why many of us suffer, because we're not getting in and remembering where we've read or what we've read and what the key scriptures are. You see, because, I mean, this says, this says so much, even to me, even to me, you, you know, just standing here, verse number 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. Walk you in him means that you should be living it out and acting it and acting out what the word of God says. It, it means that we, you know, we just don't be drive-by church goals. We should be walking and living in Christ and doing what Christ is telling us to do. Verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Now, here's a warning here against false philosophy and legality because, again, Gnosticism, 
Gnosticism was rampant in this in this uh, in Colossae at the time. Um, verse number eight: Beware, underline beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Please underline all that. After the traditions of men, underline that. Underline the whole thing. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and double highlight, and not after Christ. You see. That was the issue there. Beware, unless any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. After the tradition of men. After the rudeness of the world, not after the Christ. Um, God bless them, and I pray that those that go by this doctrine um, see the light over the years, see the light and do only what Holy Spirit is guiding them to do. But... Many times, sermons and things are predetermined, doctrines are predetermined, and they, the church, goes by a book that somebody wrote over the years, you know, and the elders and so forth got together and said, yeah, this is a good, this is a good thing, you know, and let's put this in there, and let's put this in there. We should, oh, the third Sunday of March, oh, okay, let's preach on this and, and hand it on down. Oh, the fourth Sunday in November, yeah, let's preach on this. And, and so uh, meet this Friday, and, yeah, let's do no meet on Friday. Years go by, oh, boy, people are uprising. Oh, they want their meet on Friday. Okay, it's okay to do meet on Friday, okay? These are the, 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 the these are the, Philosophy in vain deceit after the traditions of men. Okay? After the traditions of men. If you can't find what somebody is suggesting that you do or something that you should believe or some action you should take, if you can't find it written in the Word of God, I don't want to hear about it. Okay? Don't be giving me advice based on the vain deceits of men and after the traditions of men. Oh, our church did that when they came up from the Mayflower. Fine! Fine. This is me. I didn't come over on the main on Mayflower. How is that helping me? You know, this is 2014. How is that helping me? Oh, we did it since the Mayflower. Well, those folks are dead. All right. Sorry. Okay. So don't give me some tradition that was passed down from the pilgrims or from any other place. If it's in the Bible, yeah, then maybe okay, good. They did it on the Mayflower. Praise the Lord. They followed the Bible, so I'll follow that. Okay. But don't tell me just because it's the traditions of man, because this is the deceit. You, you, know, you know. You know. He says, "Beware, unless any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ." You see. That's where the difference is. If you can't tell me that, 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 that this is in line with Jesus, with what Jesus said, then I don't want to hear it. You see? Because the problem is that, is, is that the, the traditions of men and the vain deceit, it's because those people, they want God to be where they are because it excuses them to do things that God would tell us not to do. You see? So man wants to bring God down to his level instead of us aspiring to get up to God's level. So they pick and choose, like I was saying last week, they pick and choose. You know, you know I'll take verses from the New Testament, I'll take this, the Old Testament. No, no, that's passe. I won't do this, I'll do this. Oh, this sounds God. No, 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 it's the whole world of God, word of God, okay? So, so don't be deceived by the vain traditions of men and the rudin if they are not after Christ. Verse number 9 says, For in him, meaning Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead is the Trinity. And you are complete in Him. Please underline that so you remember it. You are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Okay, you are complete. So that means if you are complete in Jesus Christ, everything that you need, everything that you're hoping for, everything that you're struggling for is complete in Jesus. Okay? You see? 
But that's hard for us sometimes to comprehend because, first of all, we're still thinking that God's invisible. My, my, my definition of invisible, okay? And we're not really feeling close to him. And we don't know how to really go out and to have supernatural faith and trust in him. But if you stop and realize that your whole life, everything that you are, you are complete in Jesus. So if you're complete in Jesus, that means everything's been accounted for. Everything's been dealt with. Everything. We just have to wait and be patient and be joyful during that time that we're waiting and being patient. Amen? But you're completing him. Okay, who is the head of all principalities and power. Principalities, are, are the, those are physical governments. Okay? Okay? Many people in this country may not want to admit it, but Jesus is in charge of this country. They may be fighting it, but they're in, they're in charge of it. Okay? Okay? Principalities and power, physical as well as spiritual. Okay, we all know know that there is a there is a there are principalities in, in the in the dark world in the, in the spirit world in the demonic world there are there are there are principalities and there are powers there all right but Jesus is greater than that okay who is the head of all principalities and power and not that he is the leader of the of the demons but he certainly over them has authority over them in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism, okay? Buried with him in baptism, in which also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead, okay? So the same way Jesus was buried, okay, and all of the sin that he took on mankind, you know, was buried, and then he triumphantly and victoriously rose, so we arose with him, okay? When you came to, to the Lord Jesus, when you accepted as Jesus Christ, all of that past gunk, all of that past junk that you were living was buried with him, was buried with him, all right? That's the old man, all right? And then you rose with him, okay? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus, the word says. Amen? So, buried in baptism, in which also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, underline you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Please underline, has he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, that those are the demons, underline uh, spoiled principalities and powers, you highlight it and draw a line to your margin, right, demons. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over, over them in it. All right, so, so, so Jesus defeated Satan and those demons. He defeated it. Defeated them, all right? Let no man, therefore, judge you in food or in drink or in respect of a feast day or of the new moon or of a Sabbath day. In other words, don't be letting someone judge you, be saying that you can't eat this and you can't eat that. There it is right there. Let no man, therefore, judge you in food or in drink or in respect of a feast day or of the new moon or of a Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Here's a warning against false mysticism. Let no man beguile you. Again, it's a warning. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. Please underline that. Let no man beguile you or trick you or woo you, okay, into worshiping angels. Intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Underline that. Vainly flashed up, flashed up by, puffed up by his fleshly mind. You see? So there's again. You know, how many books over the last many years, angels, 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 you know? You go into bookstores, even the Christian bookstores, you see little angels and stuff like that. You know, and I love art and things like that. I mean, some of those crystal things are very pretty. All right, but I'm even careful at looking at those in there. And I certainly don't bring them out. I certainly don't put them up in a shrine and start worshiping them. 
or, 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 okay, putting an angel on your dashboard is not going to protect you. Jesus Christ will protect you. A, 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 a real angel certainly can. Okay, but this is talking about worshiping them. How many times in scriptures do they say that when a, an angel appeared before a man and they fell down and bowed down before them, what did the angel say? Get up. First he said, fear not, first of all. And then he said, get up. Stand to your feet. Don't worship me. You worship the God. Worship God. Amen. So, but again, what is this? You know, you, you know what is this? This is, again, is, uh, is, is uh, worshiping angels intruding into those things which they have not seen. Okay. Man has not seen these things. Okay. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So when people start beguiling you and start telling you all of this gunk, you know, and they're being puffed up in their minds trying to tell you what is right and what is wrong. If you can't find it in the word of God, don't be beguiled by it and tricked by it and wooed by it and start thinking, oh, well, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense why you should worship an angel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're ministering spirits. Okay, so I'm in charge of them. Okay, but I can worship them too. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Don't start going there. Don't start going there. We don't worship angels. Okay? So you got to be so careful because people, people will drive you. The reason why this happens so many times is because, first of all, they don't know the Word of God. And for whatever reason, they're trying to make you think that they do know the Word of God. All right. And so they'll package that delivery in such a way that you heard me say many times, if they if they're gifted enough, they'll make you think the sky is green, you know, especially if it's somebody that you trust. Amen. Amen. So so don't be beguiled by those words. If you can't find it in the word of God, tell them there's a nice, very short pier over there. Take a long walk, you know, tell them to, to just go some. Place because you know it, it really it, it really gets to me and even you know as a minister of the gospel that maybe it's the maybe it's the righteous anger that Jesus even felt but I see these people perverting the body of Christ so much you know I see them taking Christians and talking to Christians and and, and making us Christians believe the wrong things you know that it, it makes me want, makes me want to run them out of on a, out of town spiritually or something you know. But you, you know, I mean, I certainly can't do that. No one can do that. But so you have to get to the place that you know truth and that you are not enticed by these beguiling words. You see? see? And this all goes to the theme of, of, of what I'm hearing. Why is it that God keeps dwelling on, you know, thirsting after him, teaching, teaching the deeper things of God? Because so many of us he sees walking into, into difficulty, staying um, not prospering, staying suffering, staying in pain, when the answers are all here, but we're not seeking his answers, or we're listening to the wrong voices, or we're going to the wrong places. Amen? Amen? And, and as I said last week, you know, the devil doesn't always attract you, will attract you or come to you with a whole lot of flashing neon signs. Here I come, I'm the devil. You know, he doesn't wear a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and, and tail and all of that stuff. No way. He doesn't come like that. He comes to you in sheep's clothing. He comes to you sometimes as an angel of light. All right? So you need to make sure that you know the word of God and that you understand it. Okay? Verse 19. Now, let me read 18 and flow through. Um, Let no man beguile you of your reward in the voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not, and not holding the head from whom all the body, by joints and hands, having nourishment, ministered, and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Okay, the head, of course, is, is Jesus. Okay, um, verse number 20, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, from the rudiments of the world, you know, if, you, if you're dead in Christ, and you're, and you're not being subject by the basic things of the world, rudiments, the basic things of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? 
touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. In other words, if you're not tied, you've been set free from Christ. So why are you living in the world? Why do you want to be subject to those rules, ordinances or rules or laws that tell you don't touch this, don't eat this, don't handle that, which all will perish or go away with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men? You see, so these things, touching that taste and all that stuff, you know, a lot of these doctrines are of men. It kind of goes back to the Meatless Friday thing, all right? So again, you know, these are the rudiments. These, these are the basic things of the world. We have to look at the rudiments and the basic things of God. Verse 23. These things have indeed a show of wisdom in, listen to this now, these things have indeed a show of wisdom in what? Will worship. Underline will. In will worship and humility and neglecting of the body. Not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If you then be, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This is what we want to seek on. We're just going to read a few of these scriptures, then we'll close. If you then, being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things of the earth, okay? So in other words, we're to place our thoughts on the things of heaven or above, not on these worldly or, or earthly things that so many people, you know, focus on. Uh, for you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience, in the which you also once walked when you lived in them. So he's telling these people at Colossae that you walked, you were like that at one time, okay? You, you were like that. But now you also put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth, you know, and that's where, where people think it's okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a born-again Christian, yet still somebody starts telling a filthy joke, and you sit there, and you laugh, and grin, and ha, 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 and all like that. You start hearing something filthy, you get up and excuse yourself. Oh, well, I'm getting to the best part of the joke. Yep, see ya. Okay, just get up and go. You know, you, you don't want to be exposed to that, all right? Um, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Old man, that's the way you used to be. Okay, that's the way you used to be before you came to the Lord. And have put on the new man, underline new man, that is renewed in knowledge. Underline renewed in knowledge. See, there it is again, referring to knowledge. Renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Right? Renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay? So in other words, Jesus is not for if you're tall, if you're short, if you're fat, if you're skinny. I mean, he's not a respective person. Jesus is for everyone. Okay? Everyone that will accept him, obviously. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Underline elect of God. Do you realize that you are the elect of God? Do you feel like you're the elect of God when you've got an issue going on in your life? <laughs> no. Do you feel like the elect of God when you've got a worry, when something is really weighing you down? Okay? Alright? You see? You may not feel like it at the time. See? But that's our feelings. God views us as his elect. You see? But many times we don't see ourselves as God sees us. God does not see us as a failure. God does not see us worrying. God does not see us as being in pain. God does not see us as being taken advantage of. God does not see us being ripped off. Okay? We are the elect. 
All right? If we wind up getting into those conditions many, many times, it's because of our own doings. It's because of maybe bad choices that we made. That still doesn't take away our position in God's mind. Yeah, we got into, got into some, some stuff here, but in God's eyes, you're still the elect. So what do we have to do? We have to realign our thinking back the way God sees us. You see? And stop feeling like your life is a practice in futility. Stop feeling like your life is going nowhere. Stop wondering, you know, you know, you know, you know gee, when am I going to get married? When am I going to get a boyfriend? When am I going to get a girlfriend? Because all things happen in due time. All things come about in due time. Amen? All things come about in due time. All right, all right. You are God's elect, and you have to make sure that you remember that. You see, because the minute you start feeling otherwise, then the devil sees that opportunity then to dump more on you. Yeah, you're a failure. If God cared so much about you, then why are you in this position? Why are you in this predicament? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? All right, all right. Everything that happens to one of his children is for a reason. We may not see the reason, we may not understand the reason, but if we stand fast in him, being well grounded in him and having supernatural faith in him, at the point in time, all will be well. And then, Holy Spirit, if, you, if you've been praying and, and communicating with God, if you've been in touch with him and if you know him, after the time that you're brought out of that situation or wherever it may be or there's difficulty going on, in that quiet time where you're talking with him, he'll reveal it to you. He will tell you, when that was happening, this is what was going on. This is why you didn't go there. This is why this was prevented. This is why you didn't get that promotion. God will tell you. He'll tell you, because he loves you that much. All right? But you've got to be at the place where you're comfortable in communicating, and God is not invisible to you. You've got to get to the place where God is your buddy. Where God is your friend. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully. What I'm saying to you is that where God is, is, is a close friend of yours, where you feel you can talk to him. You, you know, you know, you know, the, 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 the women will, 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 will tell their girlfriend the, the most deepest secret. You know, things they don't share with anybody. They tell a girlfriend. You know, guys will tell, tell, tell a close friend. You know, things that you wouldn't share with anybody. With your mom or your dad, you'll tell that friend. We get to the point that you feel like that about God. Okay, you can share your deepest feelings because guess what? He knows your feelings. He knows your feelings before you do. He knows them better than you. But many times God wants to see if you're going to trust him enough to share it with him. You know, you know as you start raising your kids and they start getting older and whatnot, you'll see that one of the things you want to have is a close relationship with your kids as close as possible. So at least they'll feel free to come to you. You know, feel free to come to you. And sometimes you may know something that's happening in their lives, but you want them to come to you to show that they trust and have faith in you. You can be praying about them. You can be losing sleep over them. You can be, be, be crying over them, okay? But you want your children to come to you. Well, so is God the Father. God wants us to come to him. He loves us, all right? And to view ourselves as the very elect. Verse 12 again. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, Hallelujah. Having patience with one another. Forgiving one another. Hallelujah. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Okay? For the life of me, I can't understand why or how some Christians can say, Oh, I didn't tell you. I could see you were heading off of a cliff with that thing you were about to do. So I didn't tell you. Don't jump off the cliff because we weren't speaking at the time. 
okay? Or I wasn't forgiving you at the time, okay? So that the person go on and walk off the cliff. How can a child of God say that, all right? If a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of, of, of perfect. I'm, I'm being, uh, being driven here. You know, forgiveness is one of the biggest things, or unforgiveness, one of the biggest things that Christians wrestle with. And they don't realize by harboring unforgiveness, you are heaping a bigger coal upon your head. You're doing more damage to yourself than you're doing to the person that you're not forgiving. Okay? And unforgiveness is something that is so rampant in the church, unfortunately. I talked to so many people, and I see so many people over the many years. I mean, where we came from, you know, I knew some folks that were the same way. That, you know, after you talk to them and get to know them after a while, and finally it'll slip out or come out, you know. Oh, yeah, so-and-so, I can't stand that person. They did so-and-so to me. Blah, blah. When was that? Oh, December 15, 1942. Okay, you know, and, and they're still harboring this thing, you know. And then when you start and you talk to them a little more, especially if you're counseling people, and you start and talk to them a little more, all of a sudden you can see a pattern in their lives where there's been one thing after another that's fallen short, that where they have not been victorious. And in many, many cases, it's going back to some place where they have not forgiven someone, you know. And they think because the person died, then it's okay, I don't have to forgive them. No, 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 it's even worse, you know. You, you need to pray and pray to God and tell God, I forgive so-and-so, even though they're past, I forgive them. I release it. Because by you harboring that seed of unforgiveness, that unforgiveness, um, spiritually speaking, it goes and, and develops into a seed of bitterness, it's called. And then that seed of, seed of bitterness, if, it, if, it, if it's allowed to fester, it grows on to hatred. And then if that's allowed to, hester, to fester, it actually can lead to murder, you see. So what simply starts as an unforgiveness for somebody stepping on your toe back some 20 years ago, the thought of that person just irks you. You know, if you see them, you cross the street and everything like that. And if they bump into you again, stepping on the toe raises up again. And now you bumped into them, and then one thing leads to another, one thing leads to another, and so on and so on. Okay? So it's so important that we don't harbor unforgiveness, that we're quick to forgive. Verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these things, put on love or charity which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Please in the line, be ye thankful. Be ye thankful, be ye thankful. You know, no matter what is going on, there's something to be thankful for. The biggest thing that you have to be thankful for is the fact that you're alive and you're breathing. The other thing to be thankful for is your loved ones family, your friends, the fact that you've got a life, a roof over your head, you've got food on your table, the fact that you're relatively free to do what you want in this country. Again, I remember, you know, we came 3,000 miles and didn't have one single checkpoint in any state, didn't have to produce our citizenship papers or anything like that. I mean, you're free in this country, you know. Be thankful for that. Look at what's going on abroad. Look at what's happening in Ukraine, okay? You need to be thankful, you know. So, you know, that, you probably heard that old saying, um, I complained because I didn't have any shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Okay? So be thankful, you know, in all things. Be thankful. 
so, uh, let verse 16 in closing here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Please underline richly. Let the word of Christ dwell. Underline dwell also. Dwell means to live in you. Let the word of Christ live in you richly. Okay, richly. Full, rich soil. You know, full of nutrients and so on. Dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Underline wisdom. Teaching. Underline teaching. And admonishing. Underline admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do in word or deed, do all, please underline, do all, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Underline that, do all in the name of Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Alright? Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Okay, so these are some fundamental things about um, knowing who God is and, and understanding the fact that He is pre- preeminent. He is above all of man's knowledge of, of philosophy, of vain wanderings and babblings and meanderings. You know that God, the Bible, is the source of everything that we are and everything that we need to know. The Bible and personal time with God, quality time with God, will get us through the day, get us through the week, through the month. Whenever things pop up that all of a sudden make you feel shaken, yep, that, that all happens. That's that sudden fear thing we discussed. But once you get over that sudden fear, your first thing should be to reconnect with God and then have faith and trust Him. Amen. And remember that God views you as His elect. Amen. You are far from being a second-class citizen in, in, in God's eyes. Amen. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.